Hey, welcome back to the Living on Purpose podcast with Pastor John and Sam. This is episode number 40. That's cool. We are at four zero. Four zero. Four zero. <laughs> That's, I was trying to think of the, the multiples of 10 yeah. deca- decades, but in an episode format. Yeah. No, it's so, exciting. 40 is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you for your questions. Yeah, people have been interacting with us and, yeah. and they keep sending them in. So keep sending them in. That's great. Um, so episode 40, this is going to be a two-part episode. So this week you'll hear episode 40. Next week you'll hear episode 41. So we're going to break this question into two parts. So mm-hmm. tune in both weeks. Yes. But here's the question. It's a little bit long, but I'm going to read the whole thing. Dear John and Sam, I feel called to ministry, and I am confident that God has given me the spiritual gifts to do such a thing, potentially be a member of the pastoral staff in the future, not necessarily at our church, but would be glad if that occurred. I know we are if we are stagnant, God can't move us where we need to be. But if we are moving, he can change the course. My question is, how do I know when my time to transition is accurate? How do I know when it is time to focus on what I feel God is calling me in that aspect of my life? And how do I know if it's something I should pursue in further education? There have been pastors that seemingly excelled without college degrees, examples being people like Charles Spurgeon or Greg Laurie. With the economy right now, it seems difficult to afford. Thank you for the advice. Wow, this is a loaded question. Many parts to it. Many, many parts. And this is a a real uh, challenge and struggle in our present culture. I was just uh, doing some of the math. My uh, two daughters are going to be attending Cedarville University in the fall. And I mean, you're looking at $45,000 roughly. Mm. And so it's a lot of money, 45 between both of them. And they both got a lot of scholarship. If you take away the scholarship, it's more like eighty dollars to $90,000. Wow. So the challenge is, and I, I think our listener, this is the state of uh, reality that he is in, that, you know, you're not an 18, 19 or 20 year old even that can work off the debt necessarily. Um, this is somebody who I believe is uh, married and uh, living in life already, you know, when it comes to raising a family and providing for his family. And, and then what do you do, right? You're in a, in a challenging position because you really feel God is leading you into ministry. Um, but how do you do that? How do you go back to school and take classes and spend all that money and at the same time provide for your family, right? Yeah, for sure. And so we're going to get to some of those things. And next week, we'll get into more of that. Okay. But I want to start with the foundational aspect of even being in the ministry. I think it's really, really important. I've seen in a lot of ways in the last several years, people that were in ministry that never should have been in ministry. A lot of it had to do with the fact that they just were not qualified. Hmm. And so I think it begins there, right? I would say to our listener and to anyone who is listening beyond that, that it's really important that you understand that the Bible actually gives qualifications for pastoral ministry. And so First Timothy 3 really outlines what these qualifications are. And so in this episode, I want to focus on this because the reality is that we can desire something, but it doesn't mean that we're ready for that desire. And so I want us to think through this, okay? So 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, it says, Here's a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, that term overseer is the word um, episkopos. It's the idea of someone who's a leader, the idea of someone who is um, leading in the sense of not in control by himself, but somebody who's giving direction. He's up front. 
Okay, so that's the idea of overseer. There's another term, presbyteros. that's the idea of elder. The elder is the one who has wisdom. The elder is the one who has experience. And then there's poimain, or the idea of pastor, and that's the most endearing concept because the pastor is a shepherd. He protects the sheep. He leads the sheep. All three of these terms interact, and they're focused on the same person or the same people. And so right here, the question is, is it okay for me to, to go in ministry if I just desire it? Well, I would say it begins with a desire. God has to place that desire in your heart, but it goes way beyond that as well. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to get into some of that now. So in verse two, it says, now the overseer is to be above reproach. I think that's the most important um, overarching reality of this passage, right? The person who is going to be an overseer, remember, overseer, pastor, elder, they're synonymous terms talking about the same person or the same people. In reality, though, they have different functions. So here, uh, the person who desires this, the Bible says, first of all, they have to be above reproach. Now, does that mean they need to be perfect? No. No, not at all. No one's perfect. No one's ever going to be perfect. But the reality is, is that God calls us to have a strong reputation, someone that lives the right way, someone who in the community is known as a leader, someone who's known as having integrity and character and honesty and being a righteous person. So the Bible then, I really believe, describes what this looks like. It says, as we read on, this person should be faithful to his wife. This person should be temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. So let's stop there for a minute. Let's think about that list, okay? Are you faithful to your wife? Do you have a strong uh, relationship with your wife? It doesn't mean you're perfect. You're going to have issues. My wife, Tammy, and I have had a lot of struggles over the years, and I really believe that's a part of uh, the reality of God giving us the opportunity to help people because that platform was established, I believe, by God because of the issues in the past. So we have empathy, which is always stronger than sympathy, but we have a strong relationship. It's not been easy, but we have a strong relationship. And I am indeed faithful to my wife. The Bible talks about being temperate, self-controlled. Uh, some translations use the idea of not being a brawler, not being someone who's quick to fight, to um, get into physical and even verbal altercations. The Bible speaks of someone here who is to be hospitable. You have to love people. I've known people before that started in ministry and it didn't last long because they just didn't love people. They didn't like being around people. I've had pastors say to me, well, I don't like people. And I'm just stunned <laughs> by that. Stunned because I'm like, if you don't like people, the ministry is all about people. Right. It's all about impacting people and teaching people and loving people and mentoring people and coaching people and inspiring people. Yeah. So if you don't like people, you're in the wrong profession. Yeah, the word pastor means shepherd, right? Yes, yes. So you need to be involved with your people. Yes, absolutely. It talks about being able to teach. Are you able to teach? It doesn't uh, mean that you have to be this great communicator. It's not necessarily talking about style. Um, it's not style. It's substance, right? Are you able to open the word of God? in exegete the Bible, to teach the Bible. It doesn't mean that you have to know all of it, but you're able to communicate the basic truths of the Bible. Then it says not given to drunkenness. Now, a lot of people believe a lot of different things about alcohol. Here's what I would say to you. Someone who's a pastor, they're above reproach in this area. They're not given to drunkenness. In our ministry here at Emmanuel, the standard that I have for our elder pastors is that they're not even to engage in alcohol at all. 
Now, not everyone believes that, and several of our people socially drink. That's just part of the culture that we live in today. But I would warn you that drunkenness is absolutely a sin, and drunkenness can destroy a lot of things. We have a ministry in this church called Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery. And the reason why I have that ministry for more things than drunkenness, but a big part of it is helping people to be sober and to be righteous and to live in a godly way in the culture that we live in. It says not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And so someone who's an elder, they should not be given to worshiping money. We see a lot of prosperity preachers. We see a lot of people in our culture today that they're given to wealth. Now, there's nothing wrong with wealth if God gives it to you, but you shouldn't aspire to be wealthy and to love wealth. Wealth is not the thing that drives our lives. It's the gospel. It's righteous living. It's holiness before God. And so a preacher of the gospel, a pastor, elder, needs to understand the priority there, that it's Christ and not materialism. Okay, verse four, he says, we must uh, manage our own family well and see that our children obey us. Okay, this is talking about elders. And this person, this preacher, this pastor, elder, he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Okay, so here's the challenge here. Someone who's an elder pastor should be someone who manages his family well. If your kids are out of control, you're not qualified to be a pastor. Now, our kids are not perfect. They're going to sin. They're going to do dumb things. They're going to, you know, get us, quote unquote, in trouble at times. But I've known, I, I knew a couple of years ago, the guy was a pastor in a church. And the reality is his kids were out of control. And they were even passing porn around the church. And the father who was the pastor, not the lead pastor, but he was a pastor. He wasn't really dealing with it at all. Okay. And it became a real problem. And ultimately, he lost his job over it. Yeah. So he wasn't managing his family well. His kids were not obeying him. Verse 5, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's family or God's church? And that's a big question for us, right? You need to be managing your own family well. Verse 6, he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. And so, again, it's important to apply this aspect as well. We shouldn't take someone who's been saved recently. We should take someone who's seasoned, mm -hmm. someone who's had experience, someone who has you know, served in the ministry already, someone who's been involved already, someone who you know, has the, the word in their heart at some level beyond just initial, if that makes right. sense. Where their faith is built on the rock and not just this, this feeling of excitement, like, oh, this ministry is growing because of me or whatever. They just, they understand the way that God has ordained it. Yes, absolutely. So there, I mean, it's interesting. He talks about arrogance and what was the major sin of Satan? It was arrogance. I can become like the most high. Mm. I can ascend above the heavens. I am God. That's in essence what Satan was saying. Now, we wouldn't say that, but sometimes we act that way. And people that are newly born again, they have a tendency to allow that to go to their head at times, especially if they're given a position of authority right away. Absolutely. And so serve, serve in the church, be a servant leader and understand the importance of that. And then verse seven, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Okay, so now when we talk about outsiders, what are we talking about? Hmm. Those who don't know Christ, right? We're talking about the culture, the world. And so the person who is aspiring to be an elder pastor should have a good reputation with the unsaved culture. 
He should not be the kind of person who's one way in the business and another way at church, right? That's hypocrisy. He should be the same in both places. In that same, so to speak, should be righteous living. He should have a strong reputation. And so if I were to review these verses, there's five things that stand out. First of all, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. God must put it in your heart, I believe. For me in ministry, you know, it really comes down to God hardwiring me to be a pastor. You know, I never had this moment where I came down an aisle and, you know, in church and I was, you know, crying and God called me, so to speak, to preach. I never had that experience. I think I told a story before I was up north in Frederick, Michigan, helping my former youth pastor run a vacation Bible school. And in the evening, we were driving around town because the VBS was in the morning. Mm-hmm. So in the evening, we we're driving around town and he asked me about ministry. If I ever thought about going to ministry and I was a junior in high school at the time, or I just finished my junior year. And I said to him, well, I don't feel called to the ministry. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, have you ever thought about volunteering for the ministry? Hmm. And that's where God changed my life. He really did through that. Yeah. And when you read these verses, it doesn't even talk about called. It talks about aspiring or desiring. And so it's important to have that passion, that desire. And then you have to take that desire and you have to line it up with the qualifications and see if you are qualified to be an elder. So number one, do you have the desire? Number two, you have to be above reproach. It's really, really important that you're above reproach. You're not perfect. No one's perfect, but you have to be the kind of person that has a strong reputation and you care about your lifestyle. You care about your behavior. You care about how people perceive your actions. Number three, you have to manage your family well. Are you managing your family well? That's really, really important. Number four, You can't be someone who just got saved. You can't be a recent convert or else you're going to become conceited or at least be tempted to be conceited. And number five, you have to have a strong reputation with those in the culture. It's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was a good introduction to this question, and we hope that you'll tune in for part two next week where we're going to talk more about timing and your knowledge, stuff like that. So thanks for listening today. In the meantime, if you have another question you'd like to ask us, Feel free to email john at weareemmanuel.life and we can talk about that on a future episode. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.